do better than that. If that were for me, that'd be all right. We're talking about the Almighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Is there anybody that knows that with Jesus you can make it? With him I can stand, that no matter what, come what may, Grandmama said, come hell or hot water, I can make it. My life is in his hands. You know, there's a lot going on in our world. Uh, and I, I don't have all the answers, definitely don't have all the answers. I also don't think that all the answers will reside in Washington. But I will tell you that I do believe with all of my heart that the answer relies in Jesus. Uh, there is no greater opportunity for personal transformation than a relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, if we want our world to be better, if we want our leaders to be better, then the church has to make it very clear that the best opportunity to be better and to be transformed is through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Do you believe that? Amen, amen. Well, I am peacock proud and honeymoon happy to be back here. That's something the old preachers used to say. I borrowed that from the old school preacher. <laughs> Somebody said, what is that? <laughs> what a joy it is to be back here at this wonderful, wonderful church. Uh, I appreciate your pastors. Give, give your pastor a hand. Can we just bless the Lord for Pastor Chris? Pastor Chris, I call he's a gentle giant, man. I mean, he is a wonderful man of God. Uh, I don't think that there's a better heart out there than in the heart, the heart of Pastor Chris. I thank God for him. I thank God for the vision of this church that you all continue to go forward with the vision of expanding God's diverse kingdom. The church ought to set the pace, set and take leadership in that. Uh, we should be the ones doing that and leading the world and showing the world what it's like for people to come together under the name of Jesus Christ. Isn't that right? And so I thank God for you. I thank God for your elders. I thank God for your staff. I thank God for Sister Darina. Let's give it up for her, too. Let me tell you, man. Uh, Pastor Chris cannot successfully do what he does without his wonderful wife, who's a minister and teacher and author and everything else. God bless Sister Darina, you all are blessed to have her and Pastor Chris uh, leading. And I encourage you to continue to, to get behind them and support them uh, because this stuff is hard work. It takes some faith to do these kinds of things. Amen? Amen. God bless you. Would you stand on your feet again? I know you got your nest made. Uh, if you're online, in fact, if you're watching online, those of you who are watching online, I, I encourage you to stand too. Put down the bagel for a moment. <laughs> I promise you I will get you back to your seat before your coffee gets cold. Maybe. We're in Luke chapter 5, beginning at verse number 1. Luke chapter 5, beginning at verse number 1. You know how cool it would be if I could see all the people at home who ignored <laughs> my directive for them to stand up. That'd be really cool. With <laughs> Luke chapter 5, beginning at verse 1. Um, the Bible says, One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore 
of the Sea of Galilee. The great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Verse 5, Master Simon replied, we worked hard all night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, some translations say, nevertheless, at your word. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. I want to repeat that. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time, their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh, Lord, please leave me. I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the son of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed him. You may be seated. Our theme for the weekend uh, for this session is saying yes to the will of God. And if I were to put a tag on this message the old preachers would say, if, if I were to put a tag, if I were to put a title to it, it would be, when God says it, that settles it. When God says it, that settles it. There is no doubt that a mandatory prerequisite to following Jesus is that we trust him. Uh, trusting him even when we can't trace him sometimes. Trusting him even when we don't always understand. The truth is our success in following Jesus really is contingent many times on the extent to which we can trust and obey God even when it doesn't seem to make sense to do so. I want to be clear this morning that, 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 that when God commands us, when he gives us a directive as his people, we must be aware that it's not going to always make sense to us. Do I have a church here? Is there anybody that can testify that there are some things that God requires of you? There are some things that God demands of us that sometimes it's hard to wrap my mind around what it is that God has wanted me to do. You see, I've discovered that it's not as difficult. It's not as difficult to submit to God when I can kind of sort of rationalize what he's requiring of me. 
Don't, don't get me wrong. Following Jesus is, 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 is not for the weak. This is tough stuff. I know we're in a day where it seems that everybody looks at Jesus as, as a personal genie and he's a God of love, 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 love. Jesus requires some challenging things, folks. And so I've discovered that it's not as difficult when I can wrap my mind, when I can rationalize what he is requiring me to do. The problem comes in, however, is when Jesus directs me to do or to not do something that to me doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense. Anybody ever been there? I, I know it's true. In fact, in fact, there's some biblical witnesses to this. Let's, let's, let's just think about this for a second. Just in case, you, in case that's not true of you, let me remind you of some things that seem or appear to not make sense that Jesus wants us to do. Number one, love your enemies. Really? Really? I, I, some of us have difficulty loving our kinfolk. Some of us have, have difficulty loving the people in our home. But Jesus said, love your enemies. Watch this now. Uh, bless those who curse you. Bless those who curse me. I don't want to bless them. That's challenging. Many of us have a difficult time blessing those who cut out in front of us in traffic. We bless them all right with a little bit of sign language. Many of us have difficult blessing someone who's going slow when we're trying to be somewhere. Oh, come on. Am I in the house? Hallelujah. Maybe that's just, never mind. <laughs> he said, do good to those who hate you. Does that make sense? I, I'm thankful that somebody's real in here that's just willing to say, don't, look at your neighbor and say, that don't make no sense. That don't make no sense. There's more, it gets gooder. Gooder. <laughs> if someone slaps you on one cheek, turn the other. Offer the other. Now, Jesus, listen, man. Hey, okay? All right? <laughs> he who is the greatest among you must be a servant. I need you to understand that, that the context to which Jesus says this to, the world in which he says this to, in the Greco-Roman world, of which his disciples were very much a part of, this did not make sense. This was very, very, very radical. I hear so many people today, I see a lot of people who think that they're radical. They, they, they imagine themselves to be revolutionary. Folks, you really want to be radical? You really want to be revolutionary? Love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. That's when you're being 
revolutionary. That's, that, now, that's radical. Amen? God has called us to be the salt of the earth, the light of the world. That, that means that we have to do things differently, and he, he's telling us that if you want to really, really change the world, you're going to have to do it like I said to do it. And it's, gonna, it's not going to be intuitive. In fact, it's going to be counterintuitive. It's going to be opposite, opposite of who you are. But that's what it means to be the light of the world. We have to be different. Amen. And so sometimes God gives me directives that uh, they just don't agree with me. They don't agree with that that carnal nature that I still drag around. Amen. And and, and there's a reason for this. And that reason is found in Isaiah chapter 55. God made it very clear. I think this is a very, very important scripture for us to really, really know. He says, for my ways, I got some saved people in here. Y'all know that scripture. (laughs) For my ways are not what? Your ways. My thoughts are not what? Your thoughts, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, God says, so are my thoughts and my ways different than yours. Let me make it very clear. God is simply saying, we don't think alike. This is important because sometimes we want God to adjust to what we think. We want to change God's word to fit what it is that we want to do. And we must understand that God does not think like you and I. He's on a completely different level. He's he's infinite. He's transcendent. God says we don't think alike. Don't give yourself a headache trying to think on the level of God. Aspirin Advil is not going to do anything for that headache that will come as a result of us trying to think on God's level. Amen? This stuff is tough. It's not easy. In our text, Luke, the Gospel of Luke, one of the synoptic Gospels, which is a fancy word that simply means similar. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are are the synoptic Gospels, and that just means that they see alike what you find in one you will in all likelihood find in the other. And so Luke, a physician by profession, uh, actually does something a little different when it comes to his account uh, of the call of the first disciples. He actually includes some other details that, that the others did not Include And he includes a very powerful, very important story in his gospel account. Jesus had already begun his ministry of teaching about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God uh, meaning God's domain, God's realm, where God's territory is, God's rule, which is here. And it began, it began when Jesus came on the scene. And so it's, it's really was a present sense, and it's also a futuristic uh, reality. And, and, and Jesus had begun his ministry, and he had his mind set on calling his first disciples, his, his, his team, if you will. And as he had begun preaching on the Sea of Galilee, he noticed a couple of, of, of vacant boats at the edge of the water. And, and the boats were vacant because the fishermen who owned those boats, had thrown in the towel. They had stopped. They, they, they were finished. They had been unsuccessful in their attempts to do what they do best, and that is catch fish. 
can I, can I just park right here for a second and just say that life isn't always full of victories, folks? Huh? Life isn't, life isn't always full of victories. We're going to take some losses every now and then. We don't win them all, amen. Things will not always go our way. We're going to experience, experience some failure in life. The great Michael Jordan said that the only person who has never failed is the person who has never tried. I love that book when he said that because he talks about people always talking about the shots that he made with five seconds and all all the shots that he made and how great he was. But he said, you don't even realize how many shots I missed. He said, I missed far more than I made. The only person who has never failed is the person who has never tried. That we don't always win. And these men who were fishermen by, by trade, this is going to be important in a moment. They were fishermen by profession. This is what they did for a living. If, if there was anything that they knew, they knew fishing. And they were unsuccessful. And the fact of the matter is, is that we will be unsuccessful sometimes. We have to teach our children that life is not always full of victories. You don't always win, and and, and as a matter of fact, you're going to have to know what to do when you don't win. Every time you lose, it's not time to have a a whole whole meltdown, amen, because because life is going to hand us some losses, amen. I lost my mother when I was 15 years old. I understand. I had to learn how to deal with loss very early in my life, amen. We don't always win. But the beautiful part is that we serve a God who's in the business of restoring his people. He will restore us. Donnie McClurkin said, we fall down, but we get up. Amen. Isn't that beautiful? You know, the the people of God, as Christians, we ought to be the the best bounce-backing people you could ever see in your life. I tell people all the time, my elevator only goes to the basement. Excuse me, to the first floor. If you go into the basement, you got to get off the elevator. I will only get but so low. I will only get but so depressed, and then I've got to come back up. Because I realize that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I realize that all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord and who are called according to his purpose. I realize that if God be for me, who can be against me? I realize that no weapon formed against me shall be able to prosper. I've got to bounce back. Come what may, it doesn't matter what it is. I'm glad y'all played that song or sung that song. I've got to, I've got to return. I've got to bounce back. Amen. I'm talking to a few friends and who, who had been dating in the world, and, and, and one lady said, she said, I, I'm tired. I'm tired of dating. And I've had men say, I, I'm just giving up on dating. I'm, I'm sick of dating. I, I've been hurt too many times. What am I supposed to do? I said, well, you got to move on. Now, that sounds insensitive, doesn't it? Can I ask you a question? What's the other alternative? What else is there? I've learned that life really doesn't care about my challenges and, and my heartbreaks and my life will continue on moving. When my mother died when I was 15 years old, life didn't stop. Amen. Hallelujah. You got to keep moving. Get the counseling you need, read the book, say a prayer, and get back up and keep on moving. Amen. Oh, I hope I'm in the house. 
And so the fishermen, they, 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 they had challenges. They, 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 they caught nothing. They came up empty. And Jesus was aware of that. He was aware of their, their struggles. He, he, he wasn't unaware of their plight, that they had been fishing all night and came up empty. Do you live with the imagination that God is aware of your challenges and your struggles? That, that, that God actually knows your tap-out levels? And that God knows precisely when to intervene? I'm convinced that if God hasn't intervened, then I, he, he, he clearly knows that I'm not at, at, at tap-out. Now, I may think I'm at the, at, at the tap-out level. But God knows what I'm capable of, even when I don't know what I'm capable of. And so Jesus, in verse 4, he gives them a directive, and particularly he gives Peter a directive. He says, now go where it is deeper and let down your net Again, now this, this really isn't in the text, but God gave it to me, so I'm going to go ahead and, and speak it. You know, sometimes you got to go deeper to experience a real move of God. Amen. Huh? Sometimes we got to go deeper. You can't just stay in the, in the shallow area. You got to get deeper. Many times we don't really see a full miraculous move of God. Oftentimes, not because God doesn't still do them. He does. The reason why we don't is because we don't take enough risk. We don't go deeper, deep enough for God to get involved. We like to stay on the edge. We like to stay, stay in the shallow area. But the action happens when you get on out there. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, my daughter, real quickly, when she was younger, she, she had a real problem with falling off the bed. Every night, in the middle of the night, I would get up, and I would go to the restroom, I would always check on her because, you know, you, you love your children. You check on them. See, kids, you, your parents check on you in the middle of the night while you sleep. You don't even know it. I used to walk in there just to see if she's still breathing. It's love. It's love. But every time I walked in there, she, she was on the floor. <laughs> now, one night I walked in, uh, one, in the middle of the night, I walked in, and, and, and you know, I'm sleepy, but I'm doing what I normally do. I'm checking on her, and she wasn't there. Oh, Lord. You want to talk about somebody getting nervous? Like, where is this child? And so I went upstairs. I tried to stay calm. You got to stay calm in those situations, all right? I went upstairs. She wasn't there. I checked all the restrooms. She wasn't there. I'm like, oh, God, as any parent would. And so I'm getting mad because I'm scared. And... I said, let me, let me go back in her room one more time. And I looked. I said, maybe it's me. And I looked, and this child had, had fallen off the bed and rolled under <laughs> the bed. And so the next day I said, you know, we, we, we got to talk a little bit about this falling off the bed business. I have to exert energy all the time at like 2 a.m. To, to get you up and put you back on the bed. And then I can't sleep for the rest of the night because I didn't I put out all this energy and putting you back to bed. Uh, why is it? And so, you know, the next few nights I begin to just, you know, watch. And I realize 
that the reason why she kept falling off the bed is because she kept sleeping on the edge of the bed. And I said, that's why you keep falling off. You, you're, you're staying on the edge. Get on into the bed, and that will, will keep you from falling off all night. Some of us need to understand as people of God, we keep falling off sometimes when it comes to our faith because we remain on the edge. We got to go deeper. Our walk with God is, is much bigger than, 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 than saying a prayer, or making a confession of faith, or getting dunked in a pool. We've got to go deeper. Amen. And so Jesus said, go deeper. He said, go deeper. And then we run up on some, some human hesitation. I love this. I love verse 5, man. I love it. Jesus said, I want you to go deeper, and I want you to let that net down again. And, and, and Peter's, Peter says, man, listen, living Bible. He said, Master, I don't know, I don't know if you know, but we've been doing this all night long, and we haven't caught anything, okay? All right? We, 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 we have been doing this. As a matter of fact, do you not know who we are? This is what we do. We're fishermen. This is my profession. I've been doing this. This is the family business. If there's anything I know, Jesus, I know this. You're a carpenter, okay? You're a great teacher. You're a rabbi. I know you know the law, you know, but you ain't no fisherman, okay? And I'm tired. Yeah, I believe it's safe to conclude that Peter had a, a bit of an attitude. He was frustrated and agitated by this directive that Jesus had decided to give them. Amash, has, have you ever been annoyed by a directive or a suggestion, especially one that you've already tried unsuccessfully? People giving you directives that you've already tried and, and, and asking you to do something you've already done and it didn't work, and you're like, what? Amen. Peter was not excited about this command. Understandably so. Again, he had been up all night. He, he, he had worked the third shift. Has there anybody in here ever worked third shift? Oh, yeah. We, and and I've worked third shift before, too. The rest of y'all, God bless you, okay? God bless you. <laughs> There's nothing worse than when you've worked all night and come home tad. And people mm -hmm, who happen to be aware of what you've been doing all night Start asking you to do stuff. Huh? You know I've been doing it. I've been working the third shift. It's tough. It's rough, especially when you've had a bad night on third shift. The only thing you can think about when you get off is eating sometime and going to sleep. Don't ask me nothing. Don't say nothing to me. Don't talk to me. Leave me alone. I'll talk to you in about maybe six, seven, eight hours. Well, Peter said, we, we, we've been doing this all night. You know, fatigue had set in. They had come up empty. 
And like many people who've worked third shift, Peter was not in the mood for any unnecessary, what he deemed to be unnecessary directives. He was tired. They, they, they put in so much effort. The Bible says they toiled all night long and they caught nothing. Can I ask you a question? What do you do when all of your efforts, all of your endeavor, all of your strenuous energy working to accomplish something, what do you do when your efforts don't yield or produce the result that you were hoping for? Huh? What do you do when you've worked so hard? You've prayed, you've fasted, you, you've worked so hard on your job to get the promotion, and it doesn't come. What do you do when you've done everything you feel humanly possible to be the spouse that you're supposed to be to the person you're married to, and things remain the same? Nothing changes. What do you do as a student when you study, you study, you study, you've given it your best, and the outcome you anticipated never transpired? What do you do when you've done everything you can to exercise and diet? Hallelujah. Huh? Huh? And the scale doesn't say what you think it should say. I really feel this when the last couple of months I've been, you know, working out and trying to eat at the right times, not necessarily eating the right things sometimes, but, you know, uh, uh, amen. So, so the, the, this exercising thing, I realize this losing weight thing, this is the real thing, yo. This is tough. Okay? This is, this is difficult. You, you, get on the, you get on the scale and you're like, man, this scale is lying. This girl, there ain't no way. I didn't eat anything yesterday. How in the world am I going to be an ounce more than what I was yesterday? Huh? Anybody been there before? We start telling the scale that you a lie. Liar. Uh-huh. There is no way this is possible. I refuse to accept the truth being presented to me on this scale about my weight. Somebody felt that in a special way, amen. <laughs> what do you do when you put so much? I'm so glad that, that the Bible includes this, this, this human hesitation, this, this, this issue that Peter has with this directive. I'm so glad because, because I, I'm just glad I'm not the only one who's ever been resistant and had an attitude about something that God wanted me to do. Sometimes church, but we act as if, you know, it doesn't matter what God, nothing he tells me to do is hard. It's okay. I can do it. No problem at all. It's great. It's wonderful. I, I need some real folk who, who will admit, listen, man, I have a problem with this directive. Peter had a problem with what God was saying to him. And I've spent time arguing with God. I, 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 listen, me and God have had some bouts. I've shook my fist in the air, and I have made God aware that I was unhappy with his life manual. That'd be the scriptures. I, I, I got a problem with the job that you're doing. You're, you're, not, you're not intervening when I need you to. This command you're giving me, I, I, I don't know about that. I, I, man, I, I have shook my fist, and I've been mad at God. And I assure you that he didn't panic. 
he, I, I promise you that when I, when I had my attitude, God didn't go to Gabriel and say, we better get down there, guys. We better, we better pull back a little bit. Travis is agitated by us. We don't, we don't want him to get too angry, okay? We, we need him. Yeah, no, because God can handle our attitude. God can handle my frustration. Some people act as if it's a sin to be frustrated and bothered. There's a whole Bible full of God's people who have been frustrated and bothered and angry and agitated on the brink of one to quit. God can handle my frustration. And he, he didn't strike Peter down when he said that. Huh? He didn't call fire from heaven when Peter had an attitude. But here's the thing I love about Peter. Without a doubt, he was not happy with this command. But I love the fact that in verse 5, after pleading his case before God about how they had come up empty, having told and worked all night, he says, Master, we worked all night and, and, and we didn't catch anything, but watch this though. This is it. This is the kicker. But if you say so. If you say so. I'll let this net down again. I, 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 I'm not sure it was that, that him stating that was full of confidence. It was probably more of frustration, you know, like your children. If you say so. But regardless of what spirit it's in, Peter had enough of him to say, if you say so, I'll do it. God knows that we're not going to be all hunky-dory and happy about going and doing the things he wants us to do sometimes. He's aware. God is concerned with our obedience. As long as you do what I ask. Some of us are parents. We understand. You can, you can cry, kick, and scream all you want to as long as you do what I said. Amen. All right? Now, I come from the old school. We couldn't cry, kick, or scream. Huh? We, we start crying. Be like, stop that crying. I'm going to give you something to cry about. We're in a different day now, man. Our kids are not as tough as we were. I love them, but they're not as tough as we were. <laughs> you, you can't even spank a child today. You get in all kind of trouble, man. I, I, I probably spanked my daughter a couple times in her life, and as soon as I done it, I went up and, and told her, you know, I love you, baby. I'm only doing this because <laughs> I was so soft. Man, my mama used to brag about whooping us. She whooped us, call her friend. Girl, you should have seen it. I tore him up. I took that belt and I wore him out. <laughs> what kind of mother takes pleasure in the pain of her children? Anybody can testify, huh? You give our children a whooping, they got to have a whole counseling session, bless the Lord. Only counseling we got after whooping was go outside and play now. Don't come talk to me till later. 
Ten minutes later, we were laughing and playing basketball. Look at your neighbor and say, facts, facts, facts. But if you say so, if you say so, I'll do it again. You know, um, when my daughter was younger, when she first started getting, uh, you know, experience with cell phones, uh, one day she came down and her cell phone wasn't working. I had worked in the industry for a while, and I just watched her toll with that phone. She was just mad. I mean, getting frustrated. I mean, she was getting frustrated with that phone. Amen. Even as grown-ups, we know what it's like to get frustrated with your phone whenever you need something done now and your phone or your computer starts tripping. Amen. It'll take the love of Jesus out of you every now and then. <laughs> and I just watched her try her best. And I said, Trinity, and this was like the earlier iPhones, I said, you know, touch the power button on the side, put your finger on the home button and just hold it for a while. Y'all know what that is, right? And at that time, she didn't really have no understanding of that. And she's sitting here like, Daddy, I done spent the last hour trying to fix this phone. That sound, that, that, that sound like somebody that we're talking about in our text. I've already tr- I, I've tried everything, okay? All right? It's not working. I said, well, just, 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 just do it. If you say so. That sound familiar? And moments later, guess what she had? She had a working phone. Nothing, nothing spectacular. Just something real simple. I was experienced. I worked in the industry. I had seen this before. It wasn't that I was smarter. Our kids are smart. They have information available to them that we did not have right in their hands. They know a lot. But some things only come with time and experience. It doesn't matter how knowledgeable you are. It doesn't matter how much information you have access to. Wisdom is not on a phone. Wisdom is not found really on the Internet. Wisdom comes with time and experience. Amen. You know, one of the biggest impediments to our success in following Jesus is our our tendency to lean on our own understanding. And that's why I love the Bible. You know, it's quoted often in the church, Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not to your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your That's a bad boy right there. I've heard that verse since I was a child. I love it. Yet I still struggle sometimes to obey it because I have this tendency to lean to my own understanding. I think I know best. I think I have it figured out. Isn't that what Peter thought? And so in verse 6, whenever Peter let down the net as God told him, You know the story. You see it. We read it. They caught all kind of fish. So many fish that the Bible says that they they needed help. They needed the others to come in and help them. And then the text says both boats were full of fish. The boat began to sink. There is a blessing that comes 
from obedience. Amen. Jesus said in John 15, he said, if you abide in me and my words in you, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done. Deuteronomy 28, if you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all his commands, I give you today, the Lord will set you high above all nations. All the blessings will come up on you and accompany you. If you obey the Lord, you'll be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. We've got to obey God. No matter how we feel about it, no matter what we think, this is not, when it comes to our relationship with God, this is not a democracy. Hallelujah. We don't get a vote. God doesn't meet with me and ask me what I think. I've got to say yes to his will and to his way even when I don't quite understand. And so verse 8, I'm going to hurry up. We're done. Peter, after seeing all the fish call, couldn't do nothing but just confess. Confess for his distrust. He had to confess. Lord, Lord, he said, I'm, I'm, I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. In fact, Lord, Lord, Lord get away from me. I, I'm not worthy. See, confession means to agree with God about our stuff. Confession means to agree with God about my sins. And repentance is a change of heart that then leads to a change of action. Peter was embarrassed. He was ashamed. He could not believe what had happened. But that's the beauty of God's grace. That Jesus didn't do what Peter asked. And that was to get away from him. No, 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 no. Jesus actually said, don't be afraid. Jesus doesn't say don't be afraid if you're not what? Afraid. He was afraid. He was embarrassed. And Jesus said, don't be afraid. I still want you on my team. I still want you as my disciples. This wouldn't be the first time Peter messed up. It wouldn't be the first time he lacked faith. But he was so embarrassed. And the beauty of God's grace is that God, like us, many of us, God is not like us. God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. God doesn't call the the equipped. He equips the called. I'm so glad that in the times that I've, that I didn't trust God, that I didn't, that I had an attitude with God, that I had problems with God, that he didn't throw me away. I'm so thankful. That's, I know some folk who will throw us away. Amen. I'm so glad that God told Peter, you're still on my team. I still want you. I still want to use you. Amen. Isn't that beautiful? That's the beauty of God's grace, man. Let me ask you a question this morning. What has God been directing you to do? Where have you been reluctant, hesitant, maybe even flat out defiant? 
Maybe the Spirit of God has prompted you. God has spoken to you through the word. He's given you a directive. And you've been reluctant. You've been hesitant, just like Peter. You stayed in your case before God. Well, I hope today is the day that you say, like Peter, God, if you say so, if you say so, I don't understand. I, I, I can't wrap my mind around. I've already tried as hard as I can. I don't know why you want me to do this. I don't know why you want me to go back. I don't know why you want me to try this again. It doesn't make sense to me. But if you say so, I'll do it. And the Bible says that they left everything to follow Jesus. They left their career, their profession. You know, there's sacrifice involved in following Jesus. There's sacrifice. It's not always easy. It's tough. We're not going to always agree with God. But we need a people, the people of God, God's people, the church of Jesus Christ. We need God's people to be people that says, God, we don't always understand. But if you say so, we'll do it. When God says it, that settles it. No matter what I think about it, these are the kind of people that God wants us to be. These are the, this is the attitude that God wants us to have. Today, whatever that looks like in your life, you need to go back home saying, God, I'm going to do what you say. You said it, I'm going to do it. Stand on your feet. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for your word that serves as a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway. God, I just pray that you will forgive us. I thank you for forgiving us when we don't always have the best attitude about what it is that you've called us to do. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your mercy in those times. And I'm thankful that you still have chosen us and you haven't disqualified. I'm thankful that the the work that Jesus accomplished on the cross makes us holy, dear Father God. I'm thankful for your word, dear Father God. I pray that today that we will walk away saying, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes to your will and yes to your way. Lord, I thank you. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all shake somebody saying, God bless you. Thanks for having me. Have a wonderful week. Be careful on your way home. Good night.